0: I am Sarah-Jane Case and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I hope your week has treated you well. Today, we are talking with Ashton Whitmore-Ober, writer, public speaker, community psychologist, certified Enneagram coach, and advocate for the underdog. She's a part-time professor and has her own Enneagram and life coaching business, which you may have heard of her at Enneagram Ashton. She's the author of Enneagram for Relationships and The Two of Us, a three-year couples journal. You can find her on Instagram at Enneagram Ashton. Ashton welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
0: I feel like this is long overdue.
1: I know. I was actually thinking that this morning too. I was like, I can't believe I haven't had like a chat with Sarah Jane. And actually since the Enneagram Summit last year, it's been a bit since we've chatted.
0: Yeah. And I feel like even when we do the summit, it's almost like we're here to talk about the Enneagram, but this is our first time getting to really just sit down and talk about you and us and our journeys. Yeah, so fun. Yeah, um, so excited. <laughs> hey, as you know, we start every episode with your rosebud and thorn. What are your rosebud and thorn today?
1: Yeah, so I feel like <laughs> they're all kind of connected, which I guess that's the point. Um, but so my my rose is I'm just so like grateful. I feel like for the support that. I have around me. So um, I have an eight-month-old and I just am so thankful like every day that my mom comes and helps out and my husband helps out and his parents help out. And I just like feel this overwhelming like amount of gratitude today. So I definitely feel like that's my rose. It
0: is. I cannot imagine like having an eight-month-old and doing everything else that you're doing right now.
1: So that's my thorn. (laughs) We're not there yet. You um, can, can go there. So, on the flip side of that, like, obviously, I'm obsessed with my daughter, but it is so hard to be a working mom. I mm-hmm. think that that is definitely my thorn. And I de- definitely get like super overwhelmed at times trying to, um, like be everything to everyone. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's it's challenging for sure. And it gives me, definitely a newfound appreciation for however, you know, any type of mom that is out there, working moms, stay at home moms, you know, bonus moms, all the moms, um, and their journey just, and single moms, especially, oh my gosh, I'm like, how do people even do that and function Mm -hmm. shower, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, just, um, definitely, definitely difficult, but, Also kind of going back with my rose, just so much gratitude for the people like in my corner.
0: Yeah. Gosh, I talked to my therapist recently about how, you know, like it's almost like there's like all of these different pockets of people who have expectations and like – um, opinions. And I feel like when you, it's like, when I hear, when I'm like reading your bio, right. It's like the people who are reading your book, people on Instagram, you have a little one now you have your partner, Mm -hmm. you have, you know, there's just like, so, and then you also are part-time professor. Like that's a lot of different groups of people.
1: (laughs) It's actually crazy. I actually was Mm -hmm. thinking like, Oh wow. My semester starts in like two and a half weeks. And what did I even do this summer? Not sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Worked. Uh, which is what is what's your bud yeah so my bud is we're going on vacation tomorrow so I'm super excited to take Preston to the beach and um, hang out with my in-laws and just get away for a little bit for a few days mm-hmm. oh it's gonna be so nice
0: yeah um, have you vacationed in the Outer Banks before
1: Yes, we actually got engaged there. So, but we haven't been back since. And so Mm. we're excited, you know, like every summer just flies by. I feel like it's so crazy, but we wanted to try to get down there for a few days. So we're excited.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, Ashton, so how did you find the Enneagram? Like how did this become part of your life?
1: It's honestly so random. I feel like, um, like probably like a lot of people. But like you mentioned before, I um, am a community psychologist, which really is different from clinical in the sense that Um, We almost describe it as like boots on the ground, like in the communities trying to create change, trying to make a difference, things like that. And so I've always worked in the sexual and relationship violence prevention field. I was working for my state and helping all of the rape crisis centers um, create and evaluate their prevention programs. So I was doing that. And when I was in graduate school um, for psychology is when I started hearing about the, the, this word, right, the Enneagram. And I was like, what is this? And I'd always been kind of obsessed with things like Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders. Even at a very young age, I'd go to like the bookstore and like hightail it back to the psychology section like a weirdo and, um, you know, take all of the personality tests, but I was always left with, um, like, what do I do with this information? And like, you know, that's cool that I know this about myself, but, but why? Mm -hmm. And so when I discovered the Enneagram and heard about it, I just became obsessed. Like so many people are, because I was like, oh, this is like a tool. This is something that I can use to, understand the why behind why I do the things that I do and um you know become being a community psychologist like understanding people understanding communities understanding some of these things that need to be changed um, on a systemic level so yeah that's kind of how I I dove into it and then I was like I'm just gonna share or I'm just gonna create um, an Instagram page just to kind of share the things that I was learning. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, it just kind of went from there. And I remember coming home and saying to my, um, fiance at the time, now we're married, but, um, I guess I'm, I'm like doing this now, I guess I'm, (laughs) um, you know, because people were messaging me, how do I figure out my type? I'm Mm -hmm. sure you get all those too. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And, And then I just went off from there.
0: Did you did you type pretty quickly or did it take some time
1: So initially I um really thought like I am I am a 2 and initially I thought like oh I'm probably a 2 based on that need to feel loved and wanted and then just like the helper name itself always working in the helping field I um like a, a very vivid memory I have when I was 14 coming home from school and being like, mom, I want to volunteer. And mm-hmm. I ended up volun- signing up to volunteer at hospice of all places. And I would work with the patients. So thinking about that at, at 14, um, I was like, oh yeah, I'm probably a two. But like like most people, I had a lot of doubts, right? Where on paper, I look a lot like a three, So my family and friends kind of swore up and down that I was a three because, you know, they're seeing like those behaviors. I mean, you just read my bio about the 5,000 things I'm doing. And um, this isn't my first business. I had a small boutique when I first graduated college. And so I've kind of always been um, like entrepreneur minded and driven and motivated and, you know, wanting to succeed and things like that. Um, but when it comes down to those main motivations, it lies within the two. And then I had my moments too, where I was like, okay, I, I, you know, really don't like, um, conflict and I really Mm -hmm. like to make sure I'm maintaining a peaceful environment. But I learned that that's kind of my trauma response is Mm -hmm. like wanting everybody to be okay, everybody to get along. Um, so of course I had my doubts where I was like, okay, I'm probably, a two or a three or a, or a nine. And then, um, yeah, I can, I mean, I honestly can see myself in all the types, but I'm sure a lot of people feel that way.
0: Mm -hmm. I actually really love that answer because I, I swear to you, like, I know, I know I'm a social seven. Mm -hmm. Like, it, I've been doing this for so long. I have, you know, but every yep. day I could make a case like, Oh yeah, absolutely. On like, especially the surface level behavior stuff. I'm like, yeah, I love maintain managing my energy levels and mm-hmm. I am very protective of the people I care about. <laughs> so I'm like yeah. totally an eight or a five. Yeah. Um, and then people, yeah. And then I think, I don't know if you experience this, like being online, like people have opinions about what they think you are all the time. <laughs> Do you um, have like one that people guess the most?
1: People people always think I'm a 3.
0: <sighs> Just yeah, cuz you're good always-
1: at your job? Like or like cuz you Even like some people some podcasts that I've been on and they like, you know, apparently haven't done their research. They'll be like, "You're a 3, right?" And I'm like, "Actually, no, I'm a 2." <laughs> Awkward. Um and then sometimes I look like a 7 too because I am a um I'm a self-press too. Mm. So, And I think that's where what trips up. <laughs> my sister who's an eight and has no issue telling me, you know, how she feels about things. Um, <laughs> you know, it was like, you're not as helpful as a two. <laughs> and the, I mean, I've grown a lot in those areas, mm-hmm. right, where I'm able to identify my needs and identify the things that I want and think and opinions and things like that. Um, you know, it was, I haven't always been that way. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And so, and then I've been able to set boundaries and saying no is still difficult, but um, you know, I, I do have a line where, you know, I will stop helping people Mm -hmm. if, you know, it's, I feel like the relationship is not doing anything for me anymore. And so I think that That is why a lot of people in my life like think I'm I'm also not a two, but it's it's evolved, you know, just like the Enneagram Mm -hmm.
0: does. (laughs) Yeah, and I think as we grow, obviously, like how we fit into the structure feels different. Like our, you know, as we know, like our type doesn't change, but like how much we look like our type changes. Yeah, Um, and so yeah, I think that's funny. People always think I'm a two or a nine. Yeah, I can see that. I wanted to be a two.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like the opposite. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm a two. What? <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm like, ugh, I'm a two.
0: <laughs> when I, because I tested as a two, I was like, I lo- I am so helpful. <laughs>
1: like, so <laughs> loving.
0: And my husband was like, oh, dear God. Like, this is just <laughs> going to make things worse. <laughs> so
1: um,
0: yeah. Do you, so you created your Instagram account did you when you created it did you think like oh this is going to be my job or did you think like this is a kind of a creative outlet for me like could you have anticipated
1: where it's gone absolutely not I um yeah it was totally random and totally on a whim I was like riding home from I had mentioned that I have family that that lives in North Carolina I was Riding in the car, not driving, (laughs) riding in the car. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to create this as kind of like you said, a creative outlet. I had um, like been using Canva before for my job. And I was like, you know, I can create like some really cool things and, you know, share this with people and with the goal of helping other people understand their type and like learn. And so I never would have anticipated that it, that it, um, turned into this. Mm
0: -hmm. How was it like, how did it feel when people first started kind of seeing what you were putting
1: out? Overwhelming, I think is the, the first word that came to mind. Um, I don't like, I can put, this is another reason why people think of a three. I can put on like a persona Mm -hmm. and so I can be social and be in the spotlight, but it's not my natural tendency. And Mm -hmm. so it felt kind of uncomfortable for me to, um, you know, have these people like sharing my stuff, right? Like sharing it Mm -hmm. on their story. Um, And that's kind of, again, evolved as it's grown with more people sharing my things that um, I've gotten a little bit more used to that, you know?
0: I, I, I feel like you grew at a, kind of a similar pace to me. I'm not 100% sure, like, at the, the, the s- spacing. But I remember feeling, I literally, Ashton was, like, on the for- floor of my kitchen crying. <laughs> like, you would think this would be, like, a beautiful thing. Like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, like, for the first two days when it really first started kind of, like, growing, mm-hmm. I was excited. But there came a point where, like, I literally felt like, what have I done?
1: hmm yeah I mean, look,
0: this is can I handle this
1: almost like like an embarrassing thing mm-hmm. too. and I remember like you know at my my place that I was working at the time my colleague was like Telling everybody there, like, oh, Ashton has this thing, and I was like, don't tell him, don't tell him. You know, like I, I like didn't want people to know, you know. And it's funny now, looking back, since you know there are five hundred thousand people following, it's like I don't want people to know that I'm doing this.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, there (laughs) is like, go ahead.
1: I just said, well, they know now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there is something different between like, oh, the people on the internet seeing what you're doing and then people in your life seeing what you're doing it's like a different
1: energy for sure yeah and I mean you're like you know you're behind your phone it's Mm -hmm. it's a different comfort level like I had to get up and and say something at um like my friend's wedding and everyone was like, "You do this all the time," and I'm like, "It's different. It's so yeah. different. Like, I don't know those people <laughs> when yeah. I'm on, um, you know, my my phone. I don't know them as intimately as I do the people in my inner circle."
0: Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, even speaking, like, when you're talking about the thing that you know the most about, it's yeah. completely different than like, maybe this is my head type showing, but like, like but, I can talk to you about the things I know, but yeah. like ask me to like talk to you about like how I'm feeling about the things that I know, or like, in fact, like that's just like a different level of, I want a little space between me and the people who are receiving that. Like I could be more vulnerable here with you than maybe I would be with like a group of friends sitting around.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Mm -hmm. But you know, when I, and I think about like me being in the, in that heart, area and um like i i really you know am okay talking about feelings and Mm -hmm. and being very vulnerable and opening up about things i just think that you know it's always that what are people going to think about me Mm
0: -hmm. piece
1: of my type that like is on me at all times We could really balance each other out.
0: I think that's the point of the Enneagram.
1: (laughs) I actually think that often about you because I'm like, with you being a social seven and me being a self-prez too, like we are probably very similar.
0: Yeah, it is. It's kind of like um, the biggest difference is the identity piece of like how like I I would get on the internet and be like, hey, you guys, I don't care what you're saying right now. Don't be rude to me. <laughs> um, and like, don't, <laughs> like, don't care. Um, whereas I feel like that would be harder yeah. from that heart center space, but then vice versa, like I have to learn so much to like actually feel my feelings and be in them. Yeah.
1: Um, so, and that's another area that I've grown in a lot. Cause when I first, I think back to when I first had the account, And any sort of negativity that had come my way, which as you know, there's a lot of negativity Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, the social media space, but any sort of negativity, whether they disagreed with, you know, what I had said about a type or they didn't like the way I did it, it would crush me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I've grown a lot simply by having this public platform because I've had to learn um, to not you know, care as much what other people think about, about Mm -hmm. things. Um, and to really just, you know, trust and believe in myself and to silence the critics, which is really hard Mm -hmm. for it to do naturally.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's
1: some good work. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think it is like weird too. Like people don't think that what they're saying is actually going to weigh on you or like impact you or like there's some sense of like oh you have 500,000 followers so therefore like you should be able to take it
1: yeah or That's, like, like not a real person
0: yeah yeah you're like a machine yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too Enneagram is so complicated because there's all of these different And tell me if you feel this, but I feel like with Enneagram, there's like all of these different schools of opinion that you're interacting Mm -hmm. with, like old school Enneagram teachers who have opinions about Instagram. Then there's people who are like not versed well enough with the Enneagram to really understand what you're saying to them in this like square. And so then they get really defensive because you're saying like, hey, this is a way to grow. And they're like don't tell me I I need to not do that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then there's people who are like, I like that. But like, there's like this, like minute tweak you could make to make this a little bit more accurate to fit me specifically. And I always, I get like, people don't realize like, that's like, oh it's almost like if there are 500,000 people in a room yelling at you, not exactly like that.
1: Yes. It's like,
0: (laughs) it's a lot.
1: Yeah, it's a lot.
0: I'm like grateful for the people in the
1: comments who are like, "Um, hi, she's a person. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's sad that it takes those people, right? To like remind others (laughs) that we're actually people.
0: Yeah. Did you ever, like, I don't know if I ever really dealt with imposter syndrome as much as I did when Enneagram, my Enneagram account first Mm -hmm. blew up. Like I was like, Oh no, who am I? Like can I even be talking about this? Did you ever have that phase?
1: I feel like I have it every single day, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I feel someone asked in a panel I did recently, they were like, "How do you deal with imposter syndrome?" And I was like, "Um, like do you think I'm not <laughs> yeah. feeling it right now? Like in this moment, I am exact I'm actively participating." Yes. In a relationship.
1: Yeah, it's it's so challenging because like you said there are so many voices that are out there that are speaking about um the enneagram and so many like you said the different opinions and you know, I might feel strongly about something and then I'm like is that like correct or you know, am I wrong in thinking this or am I even equipped to teach on this, you know, all of those different things that
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. One of the most healing things for me in this regard was recently listening to Russ Hudson talk mm. about the lines of the Enneagram and saying that like, they used to call it integration and disintegration. And he's like, yeah. And then we quit using that phrase, like in, I think it was like, The 90s. And I was like, oh, yeah, he changed. He learned and grew, and then he changed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the more that I learn about the Enneagram, like my approaches change, or I change language, or I shift understanding, or I deepen my understanding. And as I do this, let's say 30 years down the road, I'm probably not going to be the same Enneagram teacher that I am now. Uh, And hearing him say that, I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't start out as where he's at yeah but yeah and i really respect the teachers who are constantly learning and evolving and growing
1: mm-hmm. i feel like if you if you don't you're kind of missing the point of the enneagram <laughs> yeah because point. you're supposed to grow and evolve you know mm-hmm. I think about like (laughs) I think about some of the posts I did. Like I don't want people to scroll back to the beginning. Oh my, same, same, same. But I think about some of the posts I did at the beginning. I'm like, thank God I grew and evolved. You know?
0: Yeah, and I think we're in like a weird phase of life where, which like, okay, Russ Hudson wrote a book, and it's like in the book, but like we're every day posting real time, right? And for him and, and for a lot of these older teachers, like they did their growth work in private or like they taught a workshop and then everybody left <laughs> and it's not like on the internet for all time. Whereas like our growth process and our journey is online. People have been watching us from the beginning of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's so true.
0: Do you... um so you wrote a book. Mm -hmm. Um, How was that process for you? And you wrote about relationships. Kind of, what was your decision to kind of focus in that area?
1: So I'm, I am just such a, um, I'm very passionate about healthy relationships, obviously with the work that I do with, um, you know, sexual and relationship violence prevention. I feel like I've just always been super passionate about that and, you know, saw, this opportunity for people's relationships to be changed using and understanding the Enneagram. So it was, I mean, I love to write. It was always a dream of mine to, um, have a book and to be able to, you know, just be an author. I like looked back on, um, of course I've journaled my entire life. Right. But, um, I looked back on a like bucket list that I created when I was like 15. And one of them was like, write a, write a motivational book. I'm like, I don't know how motivational this book is, but it's educational. (laughs) So I'm kind of a lot of lines, but it was such a great experience. And, um, I'm just so happy that it's out in the world and people can learn from it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's beautiful. Thank you. That's how I feel about your book.
0: Oh my gosh. That's so nice.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yours is so beautiful
0: that's so nice I feel like making things aesthetically pleasing is not my gift and so when people say the book is beautiful I'm like really like, <laughs> kid, like oh thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> how was your experience just like because you kind of you published in 2020 as well right
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: How was that
1: like for you? You know, so my book came out on March 31st, 2020. And so it was like two weeks after the world shut down. And at first I was like so bummed. I had so many like events booked. um, And I was like, of course this would happen. You know, like I'm releasing my first book and we're in the middle of a pandemic. But now I'm like, how cool that I like released a book in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but so many people were spending more time at home, maybe more time with family members, trying to navigate how to interact with coworkers um, virtually, right? Like mm-hmm. we just had, there's so much opportunity to strengthen your relationships during that time because things were so different. And I had so many people who were like, I loved reading your book during the quarantine. I loved, um, you know, putting it into practice and things like that. And so like that just, um, I mean, it all was worthwhile, but that just kind of solidified that for me. But I know you had a similar experience, right? I think ours came out similar timing.
0: Yeah, I think mine was in April. And it was like, yeah, I I don't know that I... I didn't do a very good job of thinking about like in-person events anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just, it didn't change too much for me. Like I know I had to, a lot of friends who had like book tours planned. I got canceled and yeah.
1: um,
0: I wasn't necessarily in that boat, but I definitely f- like people will ask me like, how do you think your first book did? And like, I think I it, it did well, but like, and they're like, you launched during a pandemic. I'm like, oh yeah, I launched during a pandemic. and I I think like I um I think I had like a very seven response of like this isn't happening it's not real everything's fine um and then I'll remember like oh yeah that was harder than it had
1: to be (laughs) yeah yeah and of course like I'm gonna have those thoughts of like what if what if we weren't in a pandemic Mm -hmm. um but I'm I do have this sense of pride too, where like we did release books in the pandemic and like that, that was hard. Like the pandemic was hard for a lot of people, um, especially in, you know, in our world where we do have, do public things, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, but we managed and we overcame. Yeah, we did.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Native. Do you know the difference between an antiperspirant and a deodorant? Antiperspirants contain aluminum, which forms a plug in your sweat glands to stop you from sweating. Native deodorant does not contain aluminum or parabens or sulfates. It's vegan and never tested on animals. Native just works to keep you smelling fresh all day long. Native deodorant is made with ingredients you've heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter. You wear deodorant every day, shouldn't you be able to understand the ingredients list? Making the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant does not mean you have to sacrifice on performance. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. With over 10 scents, including their classics and rotating seasonals, you're guaranteed to find one you love. Their classic scents include coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. Besides their classic deodorant, Native offers an unscented option and a baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. Trying to cut down on more plastic use, Native even has a deodorant made of 100% paperboard packaging. Don't just take my word for it. Check out over 15,000 five-star reviews from happy customers who switched to Native. Now, I have been the person who has used natural deodorant over and over and over again and had just, it felt like it made my armpit smell worse. This is not like that. I have used native deodorant multiple times doing multiple kinds of activities, and I can tell you that it withstands the test of time. It smells good. It doesn't like do this weird thing where it mixes with your natural scent. It's not happening. It's not just masking your scent. It smells amazing. I love the coconut vanilla scent personally, and the bar is so smooth. Like it's made with shea butter and coconut oil. Like it doesn't just smell amazing. It feels good on your skin. Like you're putting on like a comforting balm that smells amazing and keeps you smelling good all day. You are going to love Native as much as I do. Right now, you can save 20% on your first purchase. Go to nativedo.com slash egram or use the promo code egram at checkout. That's com slash egram or use promo code egram at checkout to save 20% on your first purchase. Thank you Native Deodorant for supporting today's podcast. You know what's interesting like you were saying like the pandemic is hard. I literally wrote in my journal this morning like I'm still just kind of in a funk like trying to figure out what does my life look like now? What do I like what would feel good to me? And then I was like, "Oh yeah, we're on a year and a half of living a very limited life, a very simple life without a lot of options. And of course you don't feel like the best you've ever felt. Yeah. But I still feel like I hold myself to the standard of like, I should feel really good every day and like have a lot of energy and be really excited.
1: (laughs) But who is like, um, holding that expectation for you. Like yeah. Where is it's that just me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's a hundred percent. It's like, I even like saying it to you, I'm like, Oh my God, that is full on my type structure. Like oh yeah, I literally everything I just said, but y'all before I said it, I didn't know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I didn't even realize like that I'm still holding myself to that, that good old bring the sunshine standard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <sighs>
1: and I mean, I feel like I talked to so many twos who were like, I'm just lost without my people and I need, I'm lost without being able to help others. And honestly, I was like, I kind of welcomed the break. Mm -hmm. Like I needed it. I was feeling burnt out. And obviously I would never wish a pandemic to happen or, you know, all of the um, lives that have been affected by it. But I think when I, when I look back on 2020, I'm going to think like, oh, this was the year that like slapped us all in the face. Like you Mm -hmm. need to stop and slow down and, you know, be kind to one another.
0: I completely agree. I feel like this is going to be a really like this is going to be in the history books around like this is when America learned that productivity wasn't the most important thing. And that rest is totally safe and okay. I mean, Mm. it is. And I think there's a degree where like, it isn't safe for some people to rest. Like when you're not in, I feel like I'm in a very privileged position around that. Like I can rest and it still kind of get my work done. Mm -hmm. But um, I think like, hopefully this is a shift in society to where we start to realize like rest is important for everybody. No matter if you work an hourly wage job or if you work um, for yourself, you should be able to have the same opportunities for your mental health.
1: Yes, absolutely and I thought I think we saw that um, I just feel like that is a message that is pretty loud right now mm-hmm. on in the media on social media with everything going on um, with Simone files that uh, you deserve a break that people deserve mm-hmm. a break and like you said it is um, a privilege to be able to take a break and yeah. to be able to slow down um, but I think that's on us who have that privilege then to advocate for, um, other people to be able to have that same kind of time to do this to do that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, have have I have one more question before we get into rapid fire that I really want to ask because yeah. I basically this is my opportunity to be like you and I have very similar experiences. Do you feel <laughs> this too? <laughs> yeah. Um, I sometimes feel like I get so. Maybe it's like I overthink the enneagram so much to where I overcomplicate my growth journey with it and make it harder than mm-hmm. it has to be. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Do you have you ever been in that place or am I
0: um alone?
1: No, I've I've definitely I've definitely been in that place where um and I think it it comes down to like how we function in society where we have to do the most.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And thinking like, I have to do all of these things in order to achieve growth. Is that kind of what you mean? Instead of like, oh, it actually looks like this and it's simpler than I thought.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. Um, like I will say even as a seven, like, I feel like I overcorrect sometimes where it's like, um, I even like limit my access to joy out of fear of overly relying on my ability to feel joy or my ability to feel grateful. So it's like, I almost don't even let myself live out of my strengths. Cause I'm like overcorrecting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel that. Um, obviously it's going to look, look different for, for both of us. But um, for me, I feel like it's just this constant awareness of like, I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself to like give freely of myself mm-hmm and not expect things in return. And then that has gotten me in trouble before because obviously, you know, receiving things in return can look very different depending on what, what it is. But by doing that, it's also caused me to not have very good boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to kind of like, I think be a jerk sometimes and say like, no, I'm I'm, you know, putting a boundary in this, Um, but it's this ebb and flow of like, if I give without receiving, then I'm in growth, right? Mm. Versus, um, well, if I just stop giving, like, am I still in growth because I set a boundary, you know? So Mm. I feel like we put labels on growth instead of just looking at it for what it is.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, like almost like trying to put it into the Enneagram so much that the Enneagram, like we're like, when really, it's just about kind of releasing and like expanding. Um, I feel like, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think like where I'm trying to go is like my head overthinks it. Like you described so beautifully, like which one of these is healthier and like kind of which one is right and i feel like it's almost like learning to walk like a watching a deer learn to walk for the first time where like well, the first time i ever set a boundary i was like no <laughs> like mm-hmm. big boundary guarded you know but and then like i was able to soften it up a little bit and like put a little bit less boundaries up but put the put them in the right places and um yeah be more free with it and a little bit more flexible But Mm -hmm. I can get kind of like caught up in my head about it. Well, of course you can. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm trying to understand every little thing I do. And like my husband, he just feels things. Yeah. He's a four. four.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he just like, he's like, what's wrong with you? Why, Why are you sad? And I'm like, am I sad? I didn't know I was sad. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, hold on. And he's, <laughs> he just like, I'm like, I haven't had time to even think about what I'm feeling, and he's like, you just feel the feeling, like you don't do like, like what he like the the spacing there is just so different.
1: Yeah. Um. And so like, I'm the same way, right? Being, mm-hmm. um. You know, every everything. Sometimes I I don't know if you feel this way about thinking, but sometimes I wish I didn't feel so much. Mm. And that I could, you know, spend more time processing things in a logical way.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and maybe that's even where the question's coming from is like, how do you not overthink this?
1: Yeah. How do you do And and so like when you were talking about that with growth and like you thinking, like overthinking it, for me, it definitely is a feeling. A hundred percent. Like, do I feel like I'm in a place of growth? Do I feel like I'm in a healthy place? Do I feel like my action or my behavior aligns with what is considered growth versus like the actual facts and knowledge about it, which it sounds like is more what you do.
0: Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to know you're in a good place? Like, what is that feeling?
1: So hard to explain feelings. Um, For me... It is almost like a sense of peace, not just like with myself, but with um, my situations and with my experiences and also just being able to, um, like feel almost content, which I know sounds a lot like a seven, but it is about that feeling like I'm content. Mm So hard to explain. I'm like thinking, when am I in growth? <laughs> Has it been recently? Am I in a good place? <laughs> this is a hard time to be like, this is when
0: I'm like in my healthiest. Cause yeah. this is, a, this is a, that's a lot to ask of anybody right now.
1: <laughs> um, also, for, like, it's on the flip side, I can so very clearly tell when I'm not in a good place. Mm-hmm. And I like have such a strong access to that eight. That's another mm-hmm. reason I can too um, where I do almost feel like I need, I'm grasping at, um, ways to be in control Mm -hmm. of situations, not really of like people, but of situations of scenarios, like whatever that my schedule, whatever that looks like. And so it's so much easier. And I think that it's probably this way for a lot of people to know when they're not in a good place (laughs) versus when they're in a good place.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense of like, yeah, I feel like it's more visceral. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So when I'm able to, you know, be helpful, um, not just to others, but, you know, knowing what I need and taking care of myself and acknowledging my feelings, like those are all, um, very obvious ways that I'm in a good place.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder like, I'm so interested in the, like the difference in our, even like the way that we talk about it, like thinking versus feeling it. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I find it, I find it endlessly fascinating.
1: Yeah, I know. It's so, it's so funny, actually. Uh (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, this is what we talk about to people. Yeah. (laughs) Seeing it like play out in real life. Uh Uh-huh. Do you um okay, so you're making you
0: have a text service, yeah, can you tell me what that is like what the, what that
1: what's going on there? Yeah, so I send out um daily texts to people based on their enneagram type. So that's that's, so fun. Yeah. And it's actually me. So it's not like a robot and people can respond to me and I respond to them. And so I feel like it's um like my little community because we like chat. So I feel like I know these people um on more of like a one on one basis versus like I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. DMs are are very difficult. And so um this way they can just text me and ask questions, which is cool.
0: Oh my gosh. That's a really
1: big give. It is, but it's kind of like an exclusive group too. Okay. So like, I'm not opening it up to like 500,000 people, right? Okay. Okay. (laughs) So it's not as like intense as it sounds.
0: That's so cool. Um, Do you have anything that you're feeling like is on your mind or on your heart today that you'd like to share before we go into rapid fire?
1: Um, I just want, so I, I was thinking about this question and, um, one of my favorite poets is Amanda Lovelace. Have you read any of Amanda Lovelace's things? I haven't, but I will now that you've said it. Oh my gosh. She has like incredible books and I, um, just kind of like on the theme of what we were talking about a little bit with, uh, my struggles as a two, one of her, um, things that she posted and is also in one of her books is, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's okay if someone doesn't like you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. Some kinds of magic just don't call to each other.
0: Ooh, that is so good.
1: Yes. I love her. Definitely check her out. I feel like, yeah,
0: you you know, I write a lot of poetry but mm-hmm. I don't read as much poetry as I probably should. Like I read like old school, like Lord Byron. Like, yeah. Poetry. But yeah. I should probably read more, read more poets. I have two friends who are poets, and I read their work, like Morgan and and Ariel. But like that's about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So, are you ready for rapid fire? I am very excited.
1: I'm I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a good answer. Uh, <laughs>
0: Dun, dun, dun. Okay, the yeah. first book that comes to mind.
1: The first book that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Is that what you ask? Yeah. Does it have to be Enneagram related? No. I I feel like I was gonna say your book. Is that cheesy? Oh my god, that is the kindest thing ever. And it's like I have I have an Enneagram bookshelf that's like sitting right next to me, and so I feel like I was gonna say your book. The that is so sweet. So- <laughs> You shared a picture
0: of your bookshelf one time and I like got kind of, I got some feelings about it because it's so like such a good stack. Look at books. you
1: accessing your feelings. Oh
0: my God. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> for noticing.
1: it's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> <laughs> What's a favorite song? A favorite song. <laughs> okay the first thing that came to mind i'm like a a huge beach boys fan no and, way yeah and the first song that i thought i mean i don't know why this came to my mind but um god only knows what i'd be without you by the yeah beach that's
0: so good we went through a real beach boy phase in our house when our kiddo was like five or six because uh-huh. he loved the beach boys and it really like it like reignited my love.
1: Yeah, like my my stepdad is significantly older than my mom and so growing up I always listened to like all of the like the Beatles, the Beach Boys, um Bob Dylan, like all of all of those classic people and I just like I've seen the Beach Boys in concert like four or five times, like I'm not even joking. That is so um, fun. So I don't know why that came to my mind. There's nothing around me that sparked that, but there we go. That's so good. Um, what is something you wish people knew about you? I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit, but I, I wish that people knew that I'm like a real person, you know, Mm -hmm. um, on my account, but I don't know what I, what else I would really want people to know. (laughs) Like, I feel like they know a
0: lot. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. What about your dream day? What are you doing?
1: honestly, like nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. Just like laying on the couch. But I would have to not feel guilty Mm -hmm. because oftentimes if I do have a day like that, which I don't really ever, but um, I would feel guilty about not doing anything. So that would be my dream day is to like take away the guilt of being able to do that.
0: And just like, I feel like that's why hotel rooms are so magical. Because yeah. there is something about resting in a hotel room that's like, you're supposed to do that here.
1: Yes, that's so true.
0: And like I order room service and like watch cable TV and like that's the job.
1: Yeah, that's the job. That's
0: so funny. <laughs> um, what about your final meal? What are you eating?
1: I am like a huge um, Thai food person. Like I could eat Thai food every single meal of every single day. And so it would definitely be like some sort of drunken noodle or cashew tofu or basil tofu, anything of, anything that's Thai food related. I
0: love knowing that about you. I <laughs> like, I think it's fun. We had like a conversation the other day, like, where would you, like, what Asian food is your preferred Asian food?
1: You know? Thai food, 100%. Thai, Thai food. I love that. I don't that. know. I love like a hibachi, of mm-hmm, course. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I feel the worst on Chinese food <laughs> after I eat it. I'm like, what is my bo- my body hates me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I like Thai food's like my thing. Where mm. if when I'm traveling, I um, especially when I'm like by myself um, for work traveling, I always seek out like a Thai restaurant. Um, yeah, it's I I literally want it now as we're talking about <laughs> it.
0: I'm that way with Korean food. There's something about oh, okay. Korean food that I am obsessed with. Every what everything. Specifically? What? What specifically? Um, they have these noodles called Jajamyeong. That's like black Ooh. bean noodles, and then they're um, they're like kind of, Kimbap, which is like their version of sushi. Yeah. Um, I just like love it and kimchi. I just love kimchi so much.
1: Yeah, I I definitely like Korean food too. There was a um. Before we moved here, there was like a um, Korean stand at our market and oh my gosh, I would go way too much.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I need. I need Asheville to have like a Korean. Yes, they don't. Yeah, we've one good Korean restaurant, but it's like 20 minutes away from my house. Oh, jeez. This is now a Korean food PSA. Like yeah. if you can <laughs> make Korean food, please come to Asheville please. and open up a food truck slash restaurant. Thank you. Yeah. Um, how, do you
1: feel, how do you feel about Indian food? I love Indian food. So that would be my second besides yeah. Thai. What's your Indian food order? Oh, tikka masala, hands down. I like to do it with, um, like I eat meat. I'm not vegetarian, but I do like to do the paneer. Same. Yeah. So good. It's so good. <laughs> Literally, I um, gave a little bit to Preste, my eight-month-old, and she was like, ob- like obsessed with Indian food. That's I'm the like, goal. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm like let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. We're going we're going.
0: Yeah. Um what about your food for thought? What's something that you hope people kind of walk away with today?
1: Um Well, I think we've mentioned this like multiple times which is that we are are real people that Um, there's a lot of, there's also like a lot of negativity that I feel like is on social media platforms, but like it can bring, um, a lot of joy and, you know, like I never would have met you, you never would have Mm -hmm. met met me if we didn't, um, have these public forums and, and the opportunity to meet people through that platform. So I just think, um, yeah, recognizing that we're real people and that, um, like find the joy in what we have to offer.
0: That was so good. And how can we keep in touch? Where we can, can we get your book? Um, how do we look into this texting service that you've got? And where can we find cool. you on the internet?
1: So com is the easiest way, as well as just finding me on Instagram at Enneagram Ashton. And I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here today. It's so fun. Thanks for having me. And I'm honored to be on here with you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death